Let's stand together and let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Last week we talked about leadership. He just appointed uh, the 12 apostles. In verse 17 it says, He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were, were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him, and he healed them all. Father, we pray that your power would come down upon us. There are many among us, many in our church fellowship, Father, many of us in many ways who need a healing touch in our bodies for it to be strong, to serve you. And we lift all of them up before all the names of these people on this wall, Lord, who need a physical touch. The names of others that we've written on the board here, Lord, and some of us who have maybe issues that we don't feel raised to that level of writing them down on a board, but we're praying about them, that you would touch all of us and give us healing and strength. Anoint this word to us tonight and let us, Father, really get a, begin to get a grip of this. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm, I'm really glad you're here tonight. And uh, I want to I encourage you. This is a, a topic that the church in America needs to be awakened to. We need to be awakened uh, to the idea of a spiritual world. In other parts of the world, they're very awakened to that truth, that there's, a, that there's spiritual things that happen. So when, when we talk about a spiritual, what are your thoughts? I just want you to just kind of in your own mind. What are your thoughts about the spiritual world and your role in it, how you impact the spiritual world and how it impacts you? Have you given much thought to that? Have you given much thought to it? Does the spiritual world impact me? Is it impacting my family? Is it working? Is there a spiritual world working on my family? Uh, and I would tell you, if, if we believe the Bible, then there's a spiritual world that's active. It's scheming. It's trying to work on you. It's trying to work on our families. And we need to be aware of it. Uh, we need to be aware of what the enemy's trying to do, especially if you have children. You need to be aware of what the enemy's trying to do, what his plan is, his scheme is, to turn your children's minds away from righteousness and towards unrighteousness. And you need to pray about it. God, show that to me. Let, me. let that be revealed to me. This is part of this process of us coming to this revelation that we can see and identify where the enemy is trying to work in our lives, in our families' lives, in our church, and in our, in our world. Uh, I would just tell you in our church, there, there are just times when things should be easy and they're hard. That's the enemy. That's the enemy. Uh, there's, there's times when things should, when a challenge should come out to you about... Uh, you know, 
invite somebody to church at Easter, and every person in the church would say, yep, that's the right thing to do. With the help of God, I'm going to do that. I'm going to invite people to Easter. I'm going to try to get somebody here. It shouldn't be a, oh, I'm, I'm afraid. If you're afraid, that's a spiritual thing. That's a spiritual thing. When, the, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, what, what is the Holy Spirit? He gives, us, what he, he gives us power to be his witnesses. That's what the purpose of the Holy Spirit, what Jesus said the purpose was, was go and wait until some traditional Pentecostals may have a hard time with this. I'm, I, I've been raised traditional Pentecostal. But listen, he didn't say go and wait until tongues come upon you. That's not what he said. He said go and wait until power comes upon you. Until power comes upon you. That doesn't mean I'm negative about tongues. I believe it's a great gift that God gives us and that, we, that we receive in the middle of this outpouring of God's spirit. But to me, the real evidence of it is the power that took these guys who were afraid, holed up in a room, scared, and suddenly they're out on the street preaching the gospel with boldness. It's a spiritual battle. We are made up of body, soul, and spirit. Uh, When we die, what happens? Our spirit goes to stand before God. Our spirit goes to stand before God. The spirit never ceases. God's breathed into us a living spirit. It never ceases. It's the spirit that goes and stands before God. And we say our loved one's in a better place. We all know it's not their body that's in a better place. It's their spirit that's in a better place. We go put their body in a grave someplace. But their spirit goes and stands before God. But for some reason, when we think about this, uh, this dimension of there being a spirit world around us, many of us kind of remain ignorant about it. It's almost like it's forgotten. It's, it's, it's like it is an unseen area, and because it's unseen, we don't think about its daily impact upon us, even though the Bible clearly reveals it to us. Uh, when you read your Bible, I would, I would encourage you to become sensitive to a couple of things. Become sensitive to how many times it talks about or alludes to prayer. How many, it's, it's just almost constant in almost in every story. And think about, look at how many times it alludes to or speaks clearly to the spiritual world. The whole Christmas story is filled with angels. It's filled with a revelation of the spiritual world. Uh, when Jesus is tempted, it's about the devil, the spiritual world, tempting, uh, tempting him. So even though the Bible reveals it to us, in America for some reason, the enemy does not want us to become aware of the spiritual world, even though Corinthians tells us to not be unaware of his schemes, but that we should be aware of them. Uh, Now, I'm telling you, I don't see the devil behind every action that takes place in the world. I don't blame him for everything, but he's involved in a lot of things. He's probably involved in a lot more things than than we realize at times. Uh, 
as you read Luke, watch for the spiritual world, for the angels, for the demons, for the things that are involved there, and, and look for it in the rest of Scripture. So let me read a couple of Scriptures for you. Ephesians uh, 6.11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So if you want to understand something about the schemes of the devil, look at what the whole armor of God is about. When we put on the helmet of salvation, what is that about? It protects our thinking because the enemy tries to impact our minds. You know, we put on the breastplate of righteousness and so that we're, we're protected from being tempted to do what is wrong. Just read that and you begin to see how the devil schemes because God is saying, put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. You will run across some teaching of some Christians from time to time that says, oh, that was for another dispensation. We don't have to worry about those things now. But let me ask you, is there present darkness today? There's present darkness today. Are there battles today? There's absolutely battles today. James 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. Resist him. Now, if I recognize him, I can resist him. When I don't recognize him, and I just think it's some natural thing going on or some dis, dis, you know, something I don't like going on, and I don't resist him, then I'm, I'm, at, I'm, I'm at, his, at his bidding. But it says, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. So here's the answer. I'm drawing near to God. I'm seeking him. And he says he's going to draw near to us. Cleanse your hand, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. He says, stop doing the wrong thing. Stop feeling the wrong way. Start putting his presence in you, and you're going to be you know, be, have some victory. So what are we resisting? What are we resisting? 2 Corinthians 10.4. For the weapons of our warfare, uh, for the weapons of our, of our warfare are not flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy every, every, we destroy arguments of every lofty opinion against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. He's talking so much here about the mind and the, and the influence of the enemy upon the mind. And, and I want to be clear when you understand this. So you've got this person, and uh, they're in your life. You love them. Maybe they are sexually confused. What's happened? Their mind has been corrupted in this society you're not going to talk them out of that you're not going to sit down with them and reason them out of their confusion because what you're doing is you're fighting a flesh and blood fight when it's a spiritual fight the spiritual fight has to be won we are living in a day where there's a great spiritual fight going on Here's kind of my, one of the reasons we need to pray right now. Um, 
I share this at prayer time. If you've read this week, Billy Graham was uh, is planning his next seat, uh, Billy uh, Franklin next series of tours. He was supposed to be going to Liverpool, and uh, had a facility there leased out, ready to go. And I, I don't know the the powers that be over that facility uh, have finally told him no, he can't have it. They've withdrawn the contract and said he can't have it. He can't come to Liverpool because his stance on marriage between just a man and a woman doesn't fit their, um, their value system. So he can't come, they won't give him a place in Liverpool. Now, flip that around and say it was a Christian group. And some Christian group had some influence over a facility and an LGBTQ group came in to rent that facility, and they'd signed a contract, and then they said, uh, oh, no, 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 we, we didn't realize what you were, who you were. Uh, that doesn't fit our value system. That doesn't fit our, our values. That would be on CNN. It would be on ABC. It would be on CBS. It would be on every station you can imagine, all the pressures of, of politicians, all the the people of California. California would say, we're not doing business with that community anymore. We're not going to let anybody go there anymore. I mean, they would put every ounce of pressure they could on to make them surrender to their will. Now, it flips the other way, and you hear next to nothing about it. This is a spiritual battle. I'm telling you, it's a spiritual battle that we have succumbed to things that the Bible has said are wrong, and we're not going to win it in a natural battle uh, position. We're going to have to win it by beginning to pray. Why? To destroy every argument and lofty opinion. What a, do you get this sense from people who have bought into the abortion argument that they think they're better than you? That you're, you're somehow flawed because you don't respect a woman's body. You know, you don't respect a woman's body, and it's her choice. Well, let me ask you a simple question. Just, just strip everything away. Late-term abortion, partial birth abortion, how does that impact a woman's body at that point in time? That's no longer about a woman's body. That's just about killing a baby. Now, the woman's body issue is completely gone by that point in time. And now you hear these absolute insane arguments that the baby should be able to be born and the, set aside and the mom decide whether the baby, she's going to keep the baby or not, and they let it die. This is, this is absolute darkness. It should appall every one of us. It should, it should raise you know, great concern every one of our, and it should drive us to our knees. It should call us to prayer because we're gonna, we, we've got to win the battle by the power of the Spirit of God moving. He has ordained that just like gravity works, that prayer works. That's why the enemy doesn't want you to get disciplined and do it. That's why it's hard to do sometimes because the enemy is resisting you. He doesn't want you to learn how to be a person of prayer because just like gravity works, prayer works. And when we ask for things that are in the will of God, he hears our prayers and he answers, but he waits on his children to pray. 
This is why we're praying every night, folks. That's why I'm challenging you. Come and join us. Is it going to be hard? Yeah, you'll get there, though. If you'll start coming a little bit, it won't be long until you'll begin to, be, you'll begin to learn to pray in the Spirit. So what you find in the Bible is you find in the Bible, uh, as you read the Bible and you're paying attention to prayers, you find individual prayers, a person praying individual. All through uh, the, the New Testament, when Paul's talking, he's talking about his individual prayer for a body of believers. Those are great prayers. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he, he gives us this, this, this kind of network, this kind of outline for individual prayer. But you also see from very early in the Bible, all the way through the Bible, times of corporate prayer where the Christians get together because there's something that needs answered and they pray for it until the answer comes and they seek God for it until the answer comes. As Christians, we need to begin to see and understand the spiritual world because it's out in that spiritual world that the impact upon our lives, and if we fight that fight on the flesh level, if that's where the main fight is held at and we don't address the spiritual level, we're going to be fighting on the wrong battlefield and the enemy's just going to scoff at us. The spiritual world has an impact on our lives and the lives of our family. Now, we commonly uh, call unclean spirits. He's talking about unclean spirits here that Jesus healed them from. We commonly talk about demons. Many times in our translation of the Bible, we'll see words in, in your translation, demons, unclean spirits, evil spirits. And nowhere in the Bible do we see that they're cast out of this world and are no longer active. In fact, we're warned about them over and over and over again. There's one chief devil, Satan, but there are many demons, and they are organized. They have powers and principalities. They're organized. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober-minded. Listen. Be watchful. Be watchful. Don't joke around about this. Don't mess around about this. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. This does not mean he's physically trying to devour you. You know that, right? That's, that's a easy. But he looks for a way in to our life to destroy what God, to devour God's plan and to bring about the enemy's destruction. That's what he's looking for. Some of you have loved ones where the enemy is doing that right now. The enemy's doing that. Last, just last night, we started taking one name every night at the end of our prayer time for everybody to pray for that one person because we, we want to become aware that the enemy is actively working in people's lives, and he's trying to work in our lives. So uh, what are ways in? Ways into our life or into somebody else's life are actions of rebellion. When we rebel against the Word of God, we resist the Word of God, we don't submit to the Word of God, uh, we don't learn and know the Word of God, ignorance to the Word of God, 
opens the door for the enemy to move in our life. This is why we need to know the word. It opens the door for the enemy to move around. Look throughout, we'll talk about this a little bit Sunday, but look throughout the Old Testament and the kings. And so many times they'll, they'll say, this was a good king, he was trying to do right, but he allowed this to go on. And the reason he allowed those things to go on is they weren't reading the word the way they were supposed to. It wasn't being read to them the way God had instructed, and they didn't even know. When I think it was Josiah, when he finally has the word read to him, he tears his clothes because now he realizes how far off they were. And if you don't read the word, it's easy for the enemy to get us uh, far off. Drunkenness, drunkenness, where we lose control of ourselves. This is why, you know, uh, you know, marijuana use, drug use, all this kind of use. It's an open door to this. is why God says don't do it. It's an open door for the enemy to begin to impact our thinking, impact our values, corrupt our hearts. It's a way in for the enemy. It's a door in for the enemy. Pornography is a door in for the enemy. This is why we have, we've started these classes so that men, we can learn not to think the way the world thinks, that we can begin to see clearly how we should think so we don't give the enemy a way in. And it's why we're saying to all of men, at least take that first class. Go through those 10 weeks. Learn how to defend yourself. Learn how to be watchful. Uh, entertaining spirits opens the door to the enemy coming. Say, so, well, how do we entertain spirits? You know, paying attention to your horoscope. And watching for it to happen. Tarot cards, uh, Ouija boards, getting your fortune told. Some forms of yoga and some forms of meditation open the door for the enemy to come in. I mean, you understand that when people say they talk to the dead, you know what they're talking to? They're talking to demons. They're talking to spirits. There's a great gulf between us and them. They can't talk to us. We don't get to talk to them. They get to watch us, Christian, the Christian ones do. The enemy studies us and knows how to entice us. They have plans and they have schemes. The Bible says the enemy blinds the eyes of the unbeliever. He blinds them to the gospel. He blinds them to the truth. This is an area of prayer. So, we think most often when we think about these things, we think about times when we read Jesus casting out demons that took control of a body, and a person may say, well, I've never seen anybody who had that. I've never seen anybody have a demon cast out of them that actually had a demon. But listen, in the case that we read today, here's the words that the Bible says. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. How can you be troubled by an unclean spirit? What does that mean? This wasn't just casting demons out. This is people who were troubled by an unclean spirit. The enemy troubles us with worry. He troubles us with temptation. He, he troubles us in our attitudes. He'll trouble us in our dreams. 
He'll trouble us with fears. He troubles and confuses our thinking. So uh, you're talking to somebody and they just don't get it. Everything's there for them to get. The enemy doesn't leave them alone. He just troubles them. So you have this person, they're just ready to fight all the time. They're ready to argue all the time. They're all worked up. They're just, their mind is confused. Some of the things don't even make sense. You've got a troubling enemy there. A troubling enemy. Uh, so you've got to ask yourself, how do these strongholds get built? Um, well, some of them get built in addictions. I don't deny that in an addiction that there is a physical component in an addiction. Even in pornography, there's a physical component of an addiction in, a, in pornography. But there's also a spiritual component. This is why you see that uh, rehab centers that have a spiritual component have more success than those who don't. In a very short time, the physical gets broken. The, the physical addiction gets broken in a fairly short amount of time. And you would think that person would look and say, oh, the physical, I, I, I'm not driven physically by this anymore. Wow, look at how this has messed up my life. It's messed up my family. It, you know, it's messed up this. It's done this. And now here I am in this rehab facility. Wow. I'm never doing that again. It just seems to make sense, doesn't it? And yet what happens so many times when, those, when, when people who have those kind of addictions get out of the rehab facility? They go right back to it. Why? Because there's an unaddressed spiritual component that until, they become, until it is addressed and they willingly receive the help of God into their life for it, that spiritual component is still there. So we have this warning of Jesus where Jesus talks about the person who they cast a demon out of it, but the house is just clean. It's not been filled with anything else. And the demon leaves, but then what happens? He comes back with seven demons worse than himself because there's nothing there to resist the power of the enemy. The enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. And with addiction, you see so readily how he steals and kills and destroys. If he gets into a marriage, how he steals and kills and destroys. How he messes things up. Demons build strongholds into a culture. Uh, some of the strongholds we face today, one of the big lies he's telling people today is there is no God. It's one of the big lies of the devil today. There's no God. He's, he's selling that in our university campuses. He's selling that through our media. There's no God. Just do whatever you want to. A real dislike for organized religion and anything that puts restraints on our flesh. The enemy wants us to throw off all restraints of the flesh and to do whatever the flesh feels like. That is a, a stronghold of the enemy that is celebrated today 
by those who are influenced by him. Uh, the, the stronghold of life, uh, a disrespect for life, uh, a stronghold of sexual confusion. And, and all of those things, almost all of those things, can become very subtle when it's our family. When we have a family member who is given into one of the strongholds of the enemy, then we deal with this confusion in our own mind between love and righteousness. And we have to find the, this, this righteous ba- balance. So what the world has done is it's taken the second commandment, elevated it to the first commandment, and wants us to ignore the first commandment. Love your brother as, you know, as yourself, and don't bring God into it at all. And he wants to dismiss the first commandment. And that way we just kind of accept everything. Well, the second commandment helps us to know not to be mean-spirited and angry, but to be brokenhearted. But the first commandment calls us to find a way to righteousness. And when you find yourself, you find yourself in, a, in a family situation where you're battling with that issue, uh, we've got to be able to uh, you know, talk our way through that and discover what are, where, where are our boundaries uh, going to be. So the world looks at us today, and it looks at the church, and it says, listen, uh, if, if same-sex people come in and want to get married, if you're a loving, if you're really a loving church, you should uh, marry them. And Beto O'Rourke, who's no longer a presidential candidate, actually said while he was still a presidential candidate that if he was president, any church that wouldn't, he would remove their tax-exempt status. That's the attack of the enemy. That's the attack of the enemy. Uh, so they advance, they won't try to advance human weakness. So how do we fight him? Well, first of all, we're told we resist him. We resist the enemy. We're in whatever way it comes. Whenever the enemy comes against the will of God, we have to resist it. So when Peter says about Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus looks at him and says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because this was not revealed to you by men, but revealed to you by God. Good for you. You've heard from God. And then Jesus goes on and says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be abused by the Pharisees and the leaders. They're going to kill me, and this is what's going to happen to me. And Peter comes to him and says, not so, Lord. That's never going to happen. And Jesus doesn't look at him and say, uh, Peter, you don't understand the full will of God right now. You're just confused. Uh, this is all okay. No, what's happening? Jesus is battling with this issue. The enemy's trying to battle with him. He'll go to the Garden of Gethsemane and really wrestle with this issue of drinking this cup and taking this on and asking even the Father if there's some other way. And now he, re- and he looks at him and says, what? He didn't say, Peter, shut up. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. He knows where that was inspired from. He knows what inspired that. Listen, I want to, I want to encourage us. Let's not be voices of the enemy. When, when an unmarried couple announces their, on Facebook or whatever social media thing that they're moving in together, 
let's not say congratulations. Oh, we're so happy for you. We, we just hope your love grows. That's, what's, wrong, what's wrong with the church when we do that? We're being Peter in that moment, encouraging unrighteousness. Now, that doesn't mean on Facebook you go, oh, what's wrong with you? No, that's not a, that's not a Facebook conversation. That's a face-to-face conversation. Are you with me? That's when you go to your friend. That's, if, you don't know him that, if you don't know him that well, that's when you just begin to pray for him. But if they're your friend, that's when you go to them and say, can we talk? I notice on Facebook you're, you're moving in with your girlfriend, you're moving in with your boyfriend. Can we talk about that? Can we talk about what the Bible says about that and your commitment to Christ and what that means? Now listen, when that happens, some people flee from you, get mad, and don't want you in their life anymore. That's a fact of life. And some people repent and turn. That's a fact of life. And that's why I say you don't do that unless there's a lot of bridges already in that person's life. Uh, Listen, the Bible says that Satan shows up as an angel of light. What does that mean? He comes as if he's a child of God. That's why you have all these people in America today saying they're Christians while they're doing atrocious things. And people will come into our life as angels of light and do something that's absolutely of the devil. Be watchful. Be on your watch. Be aware of the enemy and his schemes. He's trying to take you away from the things of the kingdom of God. Uh, Number two, not only do we resist him, we close the doors to his influence. We stop letting the enemy have a voice into our lives. This is, I think, especially true for those of us who are parents or grandparents. In every way that we can, we want to encourage uh, or, as a parent, insist that the doors uh, to the enemy are, are closed. Absolutely closed. When I was a very young man, very young man, uh, I was in a conversation with an older young man, and he was saying things to me I didn't understand. I, I didn't understand a thing of him. And uh, I, was, I was pretty young. And I'll never forget, we were, we were, we were in, a, uh, I was in this room, and, and my dad, unbeknownst to me, had walked up to the room, I wouldn't have thought anything anyway because I didn't understand what the guy was talking about. Had no clue what the guy was talking about. And my dad walked in the room and looked at me and said, you are never to be with him again. I never want to see you with him again. Now get out of here, I'm talking to him. I had no idea why my dad said that. No idea whatsoever why he said that to me. Years later, I understood what he said to me because he was trying to influence me towards things that were not good. It is the parent's responsibility to protect our children from those things that are evil. Well, all their friends are doing it. So what? 
so what? Who cares? They'll be mad at me. So what? Who cares? You do the right thing. You be consistent. You don't be unreasonable. You don't use your power just to manipulate and, and, and to control for your will. You use the power that God's given you to bless them, to encourage them, to help them, and then to draw clear lines in the sand where they're wrong, and God will bless that effort. I had one talk with all of my kids about the time they turned 13. I sat down with every one of them one-on-one and said, listen, you know, you're getting to an age where, uh, you know, the influence of your friends is going to get greater and greater. Your hormones are going to be going crazy within you. You don't even know what all that I'm talking about yet. Uh, This is going to happen. I just kind of talk them through what the next. Now, uh, you know, you're, you're 12, 13 years old. Uh, you've got to be in my house at least until you're 18. So uh, here's the deal. It's either going to go smooth or it's going to go rough. I, I'd rather it go smooth, but if, if it has to go rough, it's going to be rough. Because I'm not giving in to what the enemy wants to do in your life. Now, if you'll listen to me, if you'll let all the stuff that's happened in the past inform you that I love you and I'm protecting you and I'm keeping you. There will be things I say no to you about. There'll be things I insist that you do. There'll be things going, that you don't understand at this point in time. But if, if you'll get this, if you'll trust me, the next several years will be smooth. They'll be smooth. Uh, and then, then it's up to them. And then it's either bring on the war. And there were times when a couple of us, we had some battles. And there were times when things went really smooth. But that's our job. Our job isn't to be their best friend. Our job is to be their parent and to take the spiritual authority over them. Now you've got to figure that out when you're a grandparent, how to do all that too and how to help, you, help your adult kids deal with that stuff. But we need to close the doors to his influence. And finally, I would tell you as a, as a people, if we, want to, if, if we really want to have victory over the enemy, we've got to ask God to show us where the battlefields are at. Let us see, where's the enemy at in my life? Where's he at in my life? Where's he at in my family's life? Where's he at in the church life? Where's he at in the world? And then we have a responsibility to take the enemy on. This is our day on this earth. This is our day to win. This is our day to fight for our generation. We have a generation of people, 330 million people in America who are being sold a bill of goods on what's right and what's wrong. It's going to destine many of them to a Christless eternity unless the church rises up and brings the power of God back into our country. That's only going to happen when the church repents from its sin and when the church begins to pray we've got to determine this is our day to fight just like Moses it was his day just like David it was his day it's now our day are we going to enter into the fight or are we going to sit back and watch our generation fade into the uh, a Christless eternity I don't know about you I'm determined I'm going to fight the fight and I encourage you, let's begin to pray for our country. Let's not just think about praying. Let's, let's, let's 
ask God to give us deeper and stronger prayers, healthier prayers, more more Christ-centered prayers for our country, for our family, for our church, for our own lives, because prayer defeats the enemy. It's why he doesn't want you to do it. But when you begin to pray, hey, there, there are some things, the second you begin to pray about them, it's broken. There are other things where you have to dig in for a time and pray for a time and trust God for a time. And in all of that time, there's that darkness that it's not being broken, that you're not making headway, that nothing is changing until the day comes when the God breaks that dam and the flood of God's light pours into it and you have victory. You never know when that day is going to come. You don't know how long it's going to take for that day to come. It's just our job to pray until it does come because we believe God. I would tell you pray. Matthew 6, 13 says this, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. That's what Jesus teaches us to pray. Remember this, beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So capture that. Every spirit, not every mouth. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ. And every spirit, small as talking about man's spirit, that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So, so I, I want to put this in, in, in clear words for us. When the world comes to us saying that they know the right way, and the right way is love, that's the right way. And love means tolerance and acceptance and celebration of every individual's whim. Right there, you've got it. Right there, it's been defined. Right there, it said every person does what seems right in his own eyes. That's sin. And we're now supposed to celebrate everything that every person seems to think is right in their own eyes. That's the devil. That's the spirit of this world. That's the denial of Christ as Lord as well as Savior. And it's right there when you can look and see no matter how sweet they've, they've written it up, no matter how popular they are, no matter how well they act on TV and makes you, want, makes you like them, no matter how clever they may seem, no matter how many cars they want to give away to people in the audience, no matter what they want to do, that it is the spirit of the enemy speaking to this generation, trying to seduce us into a lie because it denies the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ who says this is right and this is wrong. We have to be wise and watchful in this day. We've got to pay attention to it. We've got to pay attention to what's going on around us. And we've got to be aware or we will be seduced by the enemy. All right. Let's stand together and let's pray. Take these notes home. Pray over them. Ask God to reveal to you uh, where the battlefield is in your life. Because I'm going to tell you, once you begin to see the battlefield, prayer becomes easier. 
you, you, you really, you, you find yourself realizing, I haven't prayed for a raise in six months. And it's not because you haven't been praying. What, what am I saying? Priorities begin to get in place. The real battle begins to be shown. It's not long until you think, well, five minutes in prayer, that used to be hard. I can't get it all done in five minutes. You know, if Jesus went and waited on the Lord, waited on the Father all night long, maybe I should pray for an hour. When Jesus said to the, to the disciples, could you not pray with me for one hour? Couldn't you even pray with me for an hour? Flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. We've got to overcome the flesh if we're going to be victors. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray you would, you would awaken us to the spiritual realm around us. Father, even now, I, I pray you'd let us see family members, even right this moment, family members in our mind that we need to realize that they're in a spiritual battle. The enemy is corrupting their, their values and their ideas and the place. And maybe, maybe because we love them, we've compromised and said, oh, that's okay. Help us, Father, to, to know wisdom and patience and mercy. But help us also to know boldness and clarity and truth. Lord, in our country today, do not let us be swept away by the tide. Do not let Calvary Church be swept away by the over, what seems to be the overwhelming tide of our culture. But Lord, let our young women be pillars of strength. Let our young men be, be bearers of great spiritual fruit. And let us march in this day, in our day on this earth, in our hour, to do your bidding on this earth. Father, let us be faithful like Peter and Paul. Let us be faithful, Father, to your calling like Moses and Samuel. Father, like the three Hebrew children, let us not bow before the altars and the, and the idols of this day. And Lord, where the enemy tries to seduce us, trick us, let our eyes be opened. Let us watch and be aware. Let us be wise and be sensitive. And Father, when the spirit of the enemy denies who Christ is, as they always will, let us see it clearly and know it and turn from it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Go in the name of the Lord tonight.